Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a a better better global society. Welcome to another episode of the Thinking Reimagined podcast. I am Nifemi Yokuntuye. In the previous episode, we spoke extensively on the issue of sexual violence and indeed the trending matter as regards the defilement of a child by a popular Nigerian actor. We seem to have an update on that story. The fact that the Lagos State government has now disclosed a prima facie case Uh, or rather it says it's going to file a prima facie case against Nollywood uh, actor Omiyinka Olanruwaju, also known as Babai Jesha. And the interesting part of this press release is the fact that the Lagos State government is recommending that he be charged for child uh, defilement, which carries a maximum life imprisonment upon conviction. So according to the Commissioner for Justice and Attorney General of Lagos State, uh, an advice from the Directorate of Public Prosecution also recommended that the accused be charged under the extant provisions of the Criminal Law of Lagos State uh, 2015. All right, so we see how all of this um, move from here. Already the the, um, victim's mother uh, has now released the CCTV footage of what transpired. Well, according to her, I think she handed it over to Punch newspaper and it's found its way to the public space. So everyone is talking about this. We're continuing in this episode talking about the need to protect the girl child in Africa. Um, in, in the course of the preceding week, we stumbled on a video on WhatsApp showing some young girls uh, between the age of seven and eight stark naked i mean this is this is the height of child pornography and it's so heartbreaking and so saddening that things have deteriorated this much so let me bring in my panelists on this episode dr Amma and miss shotimino are joining us on this episode thank you ladies for finding time to come let's begin with dr Amma's position on this are you um satisfied with the way the Babaji's case is going and indeed the position of the Lagos State government at this time? Um, I am, I don't know if I should use the word satisfied, but I am pleased that the Lagos State government is moving forward with um, the charges. I would be even happier when um, there's more information that comes to light as to whether this is the only child that has um, had this experience with this individual. But more importantly, when we can have more data overall for the state in terms of how many children uh, are sexually abused, uh, to be more 
to be more um, explicit, the rate of sexual violence against women and children. Um, recently this week, we heard that three in 10 women uh, victims of sexual abuse in Nigeria. I actually think the numbers are much higher than that. Um, this is not a data gathering society and um, we need to really work on making organizations, uh, you know, government and others who can gather data, make it presentable to all, because the more we know, the more we can actually begin to think about how to address this matter. Um, and the so far, we know that um, one in four girls um, is sexually violated and one in 10 boys, but I really think it's much higher than that. And so it, it's this this issue is currently bringing the matter to the forefront. And I do hope that it stays there and there is more discussion um, beyond the scope of even this podcast and beyond the scope of this individual, uh, because it is a pandemic. It is the shadow pandemic. We know that more people have been violated over the course of the um, global cor coronavirus pandemic. Indeed, let's bring in Ms. Shotimino. So Lagos is filing charges of sexual assault uh, by penetration, which carries life imprisonment. There is indecent, uh, indecent treatment of a child punishable by seven years imprisonment as well as the charge of sexual assault against Rabbi Joshua, uh, which also carries a three-year jail term upon conviction. This is expected to be a high-profile case, but sure that all eyes will be on it, and the social media indeed will remain agog. What, what impact do you see this have on this um, issue of rape pandemic that is ravaging our society? I think the government now has the opportunity to deal with the many, many cases of child um, molestation, defilement, child rape that has been ongoing in the society for many, many years, decades. It's been ongoing for a while. And as uh, Dr. Amos said, there's been a proliferation in the number of cases uh, during the pandemic as well. And with the uh, children not going to school, being confined to the home, the rates of depression and the basically everything that's going on. I think this case will definitely have the impact of encouraging women to come forward when their children have, you know, the teachers or women and men, people to come forward to report cases uh, like the Lady Princess uh, has done. I think it will also encourage girls to, to speak up and not be ashamed and not be afraid. I think what um, needs to be done in, in these cases really is actually to protect uh, the, the name of the child and the image of the child to encourage more girls to come up. Um, in the news, I, I tend to follow the news a little bit uh, uh, more, I should follow it more, but what I've been following in the news and, and also on um, Live Abundantly's um, Instagram feed is the fact that this, this, is, uh, this is, as Dr. Hammer said, this is rampant, it's a pandemic. Um, every week there's a man, you know, either raping his, his daughter or his ward or his niece, or there's an adult raping a three or two year old. It's been going on for a while. And my my uh, point of contention is why don't the mothers speak up? Why don't the parents speak up? Why don't the guardians speak up? Why, you know, we really need to not just to talk to the perpetrators. We also need to talk to the guardians of these children um, to, to 
make the children feel that it's fine to come up and explain. And it doesn't just have to be, you know, the actual rape, you know, at penetration, as you said, it, it's just touching inappropriately. Just touching a child inappropriately is enough in, in most civilized countries to, to have the man on a sex offenders register and not to, you will never, that man on the register or woman will never be able to work with children ever again. It's not just about locking up um, Babai Jesha, so to speak, this Nollywood actor. It's also about um, training him, training all these perpetrators, explaining, having a sex offenders register, explaining actually the effects of, of this, this sort of action. Indeed, Dr. Amma, another interesting um, arm of this conversation is the way and manner views are um, different and divergent as regards um, how the actual incident was captured on CCTV. So people are of the opinion that um, the video itself, well, we'll wait to see how things play out in court, but we'll wait to see whether this video will be accepted as evidence in court because of the way and manner it was set up. Now, we seem to be far from that place where um, we can take the victim's um, um, word for it. So we now have the challenge of proving the case and proving that indeed, you know, assault happened. Indeed, there was sexual violence. Um, but how do you think we're going to move on from here, given the public reaction to um, the CCTV footage that has now gone viral. You know, Nifemi, I, I'm so glad that you raised this question and also going back to what um, Ms. Shotamin, excuse me, mentioned in protecting the, the children, the victims um, and speaking up. I'm of the opinion that we need to actively work on creating prevention plans. How do we prevent this from occurring again? Because it is occurring at a rate that we're not even aware of. And so few people actually come out and speak about it because of the stigma associated with being a victim of sexual violence. So we need to work on the prevention and the prevention starts with education, educating the children, educating the community, educating the teachers, all of those who work with children within the community. But I also think it's important for us to listen and believe the survivors. Very often when it's reported or when children start misbehaving, because when you're abused, there's certain behavioral changes that are observed. Um, those are not noticed immediately or those are not focused on by the guardians or the parents. So recognizing that it is their symptoms and behaviors that we should look for and following through on that is very important. And it's important for us to start having conversations across generations. For a very long time, it was a taboo to speak about sexual violence. The reality is it is no longer a taboo to speak about sexual violence because it is occurring. And it has occurred for generations, not even decades, generations. So having those conversations means that the older people have a chance to hear from the younger ones and vice versa. And you can learn from them so that you can change the mindset. You can change the dialogue. You can challenge the roles 
and the ideas of how to behave when you've been violated. It is not okay to violate anyone, male or female, but being able to speak about it and knowing that you have a safe zone for that is important. And then we need to look at the services that are available. In this situation, the parent or the guardian decided to record, set up cameras because they wanted to have some evidence. Um, but there are situations where you don't even have the funds to do that. So making sure that a child who, or a woman who reports that they've been violated, that proper attention is is given to gathering the data, gathering the rape kits, gathering the information and investigating and bringing charges is very critical. It's the only way that we can begin to address this pandemic. Ms. Shotimena, very quickly, I just want us to look at um, some developments here, particularly with this um, issue that we're talking about. So we have a situation in our hand where um, uh, we stumbled on a WhatsApp video in the course of the week. Nelson is still recovering from having to edit that um, troubling video of young girls age seven, eight, thereabouts, showcasing themselves stark naked in front of camera. Uh, it brings to mind what stakeholders must do differently, particularly parents in a, an age and time where, you know, no matter how old you are, you have access to internet. Um, what must we do differently to ensure that we don't expose uh, children too early to pornographic pictures and have them dragged into um, this very, very terrible situation? This, um, I, 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 unfortunately, I couldn't watch it all. I was so, um, I think the word sickened by what I saw. I couldn't watch it all. I. I have um, young girls and I couldn't imagine it was it was actually terrible um, I, I it's 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 very deep my feelings towards this is very deep especially as um, it's been proven it was actually said on the news yesterday here that 65% of children their first exposure to sex is on is on the social media it's on the phone or the internet and um, this is awful because you can it's clear that these girls had seen this had viewed and were imitating this whatever they'd seen online um i i hate to think this is what they'd seen in a person somebody doing this and um how do we stop how do we curtail um their their exposure how do we stop their exposure to sexual content um these girls um are just fodder prey for pedophiles total totally and how how do we stop this it's it's a combination of factors you know parental responsibility um social services the education system uh the reality is a lot of the children have now been exposed to using their phone to do their work i don't know how um how much the parents who are handing the phone to them know about child restrictions to sexual content, how to restrict content on their phones. I hear that even with that, a lot of boys, especially and the older girls, are able to go through VPN, um, VPN networks to actually pretend as if they're not in the country and bypass all those restrictions anyway. It's a very tricky subject, but I think a, a combination of parental responsibility, social services, the education network, and also the work of NGOs, um, we everybody needs to step up and, and deal with this. 
Dr. Amma Meshoti Minu standby when we return. We'll tell another sad tale a young female job seeker in Akwaibam who was allegedly raped, murdered, and buried by a recruitment fraudster. That's after this break. You have been listening to Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for a better global society. Welcome back, everyone. Let's turn attention to Akwaibam State, where the sad story of a young female job seeker who was allegedly raped, murdered, and buried by um, a guy who happened to be a recruitment fraudster went viral uh, some days ago. The name is Iniombong Umoren. She went missing while attending a job interview in Akwaibom. The thing about the story is that Umoren seemed to have done everything right. She told her friend, okay, she, she's a graduate and then publicized her intent to get a job on social media. Someone reached out to her, told her friend about it, carry her friend along, um, um, had allocation sent to her friend. Unfortunately, she never got the job and in the process, she lost her life. All right, now, police authorities in Akwaibom have confirmed the killing of Ms. Umaren. They've also arrested one Uduak Frank Akman in connection to her disappearance. According to uh, the police public relations officer in the state, the 20-year-old Mr. Akman lured Ms. Moran to his residence under the pretext of offering her a job before he raped, killed, and buried the young graduate. Dr. Hammer, it appears that it's one thing now to empower young girls, just like what Liva Bodley um, is doing with um, the future female surveyors. It's not that thing entirely to ensure that they remain safe even after they're done with their education. But I want to ask that I hope that we're also paying attention to the boy child because um, I am amazed that the suspect in this case is a 20-year-old man. I mean, a 20-year-old, I feel like calling him a boy, one actor who, you know, raped, killed, and buried another girl. How do you react to this? It is always sad to hear about um, the loss of life, uh, particularly under the circumstances that you have just shared. And I always go back and wonder at what point in time in their development did their parents or their community or teachers fail to see deviant behavior and, um, and sort of work on correcting that behavior. In this society, I have noticed and had many conversations with women who are quite aware that they're raising their boys differently from their raising their girls. And it's of great concern because what they're doing is using a gender, cultural, religious lens to raise their children so that girls behave in a certain way and boys behave in a certain way. And sometimes when boys misbehave, rather than reprimand them and caution them, it's sort of laughed off as, oh, they're just boys. And this sort of behavior graduates to the point where they're out of control. Meanwhile, girls continue to be raised as less than second class, inferior, um 
not as important. They'll get married, they'll find a job, somebody will marry them, all of those kinds of things. And along the line, we forget to teach our girls that there is such a word as no, and that there is also the need to be intelligent. I am not blaming this young lady. Please do not assume that. But when somebody lures you to their house on the pretense of giving you a job, that is not a work environment. That's a personal residence. You need to be cautious in terms of where you go. And it goes back to what I said earlier in terms of prevention. Prevention is more than teaching them how to say no and what abuse is and violence is. It's also giving them um, scenarios where they become more aware of the larger society that they reside in and some of the tricks of perpetrators. Perpetrators are very skilled in how they approach their victims. So we can teach them how to deal with and look for the signs of perpetrators in the same way we treat them to recognize and know that one, they have rights. Yes, they can say no. Yes, they can report things and have that safe space. So it is most unfortunate that this young lady who was doing everything that we expect her to do as a graduate has fallen victim. But I, I ask again, what is it that we are doing within the community, within the society, um, from law enforcement to the community, to parents, to safeguard our children? And I'm talking about children in the broad spectrum here. Um, and I also think that going back to what Ms. Shotimini said earlier about those young ladies, is that those girls learned that behavior possibly through social media, possibly through pornography, but who is presenting this information? And why are people not screening the information that children are getting? And how did they get access to be able to create that and upload it where it's being seen globally. It is very troubling. And um, I think in terms of having pre um, prevention, we should also have protection, but we should also now start to engage law enforcement and communities in really making people accountable and for how they behave. Ms. Shotimino, it's another day you read the news and it turns your belly. As we speak now, everyone is reacting to this story. Um, they're quite bomb, um, first lady, alongside female lawyers and other stakeholders. Uh, I've been seen on the street protesting that justice, um, that um, the uh, police and other security agencies to ensure that uh, uh, justice is served in this matter. But we must be able to identify the root cause because beyond taking the suspect to court, you know, getting some um, sentence and all of that. Do we really know what is responsible for this behavior in such a way that um, we can prevent it from happening again? Thank you, Nifemi. We, in every case, especially a very sensitive case like this, we need to go to the root of the matter. Um, not only do we, you know, have to understand that these reports in the news are just a few of the very many that are occurring every day. 
and yes they do set as um they, they do sit as an example um for others but do the others really learn what actually happens at the end of the day we don't know what happens to these um th those brought to court or those uh, um arrested the reality is one has to go to the root of the course to look at what caused the the, the boy the young man to commit such an atrocity and secondly also looking at what is actually happening in the society as a whole i say this without any shame i believe nigeria is an oversexed society totally oversexed you know in the sense that you know the children are exposed way too early you know a, a, a girl is walking down the road innocently a young girl of eight nine and you know along the road that you know there are people touching her there are people saying come now how are you fine girl you know it's an oversexed society whereby you know these things are laughed off or seen as being normal these this is not a normal um th these are not normal uh, behaviors for for adults to um show um towards children you know so when it comes to that we also have to think of the desperation of the girl who went to look for for work uh trying to make ends meet or make her degree count you know um it's it's for me it's going to the root of the matter and how do we help children how do we allow children to enjoy their childhoods. Obviously, this man is a broken man somewhere, somewhere, somehow, something has gone wrong, you know. And for a nation of uh, churchgoers and mosque-goers and religious people, I think all, everybody has to work together. The churches, the schools, uh, the guardians, the parents, everybody has to work together to actually realize there's a problem with this oversexed society as far as I'm concerned. Wow oversex society and the danger of um, normalizing these um, behaviors is um, a huge challenge dr ama um, who corrects this because um, she mentioned how religious we have become as a nation but that has hasn't um, that doesn't seem to have impacted positively on the behavioral pattern as we have seen over the years but um, talk to us more about stakeholders engagement. So we saw a video online where children are now taught songs of how to behave when someone touches the private part. When I bath my, my when I take my three-year-old um, daughter's bath now, I tell her this is your private part. So if anybody touches it, what do you do? You scream and nobody should touch a private part. And this education is ongoing. But talk to us more about how we can institutionalize it and ensure that it, it is spread throughout the societies and eventually change the course of things. That's a wonderful question and I am so glad that people are you know, singing and coming up with rhymes and things to engage children. But we have to go beyond that. As I said last week, when you look at sexual violence, you have to recognize that even within sexual violence, non-contact assault is part of sexual violence. So like Ms. Chotomini mentioned, the whistling, the cat calls, the comments, those are inappropriate. So we need to teach children at a young age that when somebody makes those comments, you need to also report that because that is the beginning of when you start to groom children. 
oh you're beautiful or oh, you look nice oh i like this or oh, you start all of those things are little markers that are needed and parents should pay attention to it is inappropriate it is inappropriate for cut calls for whistling for comments about how a girl looks in a dress or all of those things just let's stop it right now so yes recognizes your private part recognize that you should say no recognize that you can tell your parents you should be able to tell your parents you should be able to tell your teachers you should be able to tell trusted members of your family and your community but we also need to recognize that the perpetrators are generally people that the children know and because of the relationship that children form with those perpetrators they sometimes misunderstand and recognize that i still need to report this so yes tell your child that their private parts must be honored but also let them know that the cat calls must stop the inappropriate comments must stop now going back to what you mentioned earlier on the behaviors that people display that we need to correct we need to start at home we need to do it in in the schools and within the community when you allow those behaviors to fester when people are not processing information correctly because they're skewed in terms of their perversion or towards um prepubescent children or pubescent children and to be honest with you pedophilia is a predisposition to prepubescent children and hepaphilia is predisposition to pubescent children um so th- there's language that we now need to start using to explain this behavior it's important to recognize that there's something going on mentally in the brain where you've completely lose your mind because you're focused on that gratification that you cannot stop to see that that behavior is inappropriate and it's wrong so education awareness the focusy becomes very very important in dealing with this matter and as you've all said it involves the stakeholders everyone must participate indeed education awareness and focusy that is we have to go but not without mentioning very quickly be sure to mention that 89 men were reportedly beaten by their wives in the last 15 months and that's a report according to legal state government um, but we're looking at um, 89 battered by wives in cases of domestic violence between 2020 and 2021 and these are only figures captured uh, only cases reported to the women affairs and poverty alleviation ministry so um it's important to note that not only girls uh, boys i mean not only girls or women are victims in this case but shouldn't we give it up to men who reported these cases because um i mean most men will say if a woman beats me then i should beat her back how do you react to this should i have several reactions to this so there are 89 men in a country of um 200 million no that's so, a, that's that's, that's a, a figure for that's a figure given that, that, that was that was a play on the numbers so okay. as as i say that 89 men have come forward they could have been very very more than this but that's i i have to weigh that in comparison to the number of many many women that are being abused 
So I do respect the men and I do admire the men that have come forward to to um to report this because as as you said in our culture it's not very manly to accept defeat by a woman. Uh, in our culture many men do not um accept defeat in in, in those sort of areas it shows weakness. I or perhaps it's a, also a situation of what a man can do a woman can do better. My thinking is the men in this category are likely not going to be a match physically for the women folk. What do you think? I also I've also looked at it in terms of um were these women beating back out of um uh retaliation. I mean in the sense that they were defending self-defense I mean. So there's no health like the fury of a woman, right? So uh, a woman that is not reacting maybe they were you know acting in self-defense in this situation and the men have come forward to reports to give the wife or the partner a warning i'm going to report you if you do this again meanwhile we don't know the genesis of the issue whether the woman is actually uh been um a victim so, so i guess some of these uh, men would have probably um it would have probably been that situation where it was a self-defense situation for the women I I wanted to um I didn't want us to go without me mentioning that um if we continue as a, as a nation to disregard rape cases for example with the Timmy Dakolo situation and his wife um this is a married woman coming forward to to explain what had happened when she was younger and the case was uh, dismissed in court and uh, the pastor in in, in, in was uh, acquitted uh, these sort of cases do not um help younger children come forward you know the law the legal system has to work hand in hand with social services with all the stakeholders to allow prominent cases like this to actually have fair judgments fair hearings and for all parties to have a fair hearing because we we need to get the right figures we need to actually help the the younger children and just one thing i wanted to mention about the evidence um in in civilized countries when a child says they have been touched or raped or acted upon inappropriately um there's no need for evidence the word of the child is enough because a child is normally um believed because of their innocence a child is taken to be innocent and so a 4 year old saying that this has happened would not be uh, thrown out actually the child would be believed you would not need any evidence um even a 7 year old i think i think we've learned our lessons from the dakolo case you mentioned earlier i think there was a doctor ama who mentioned in the previous episode the need to report this case is early enough so coming coming 10 or 15 years after an incident um you're leaving so very little evidence for the legal system to work with except there are now other um subsequent cases after the one that you have reported but dr ama we have to go now oh um, no 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 I... before we go nifemi yeah. i do want to add something so you talked about the 89 men that reported to wapa that they had been violated and i'm so sorry to hear about this and i've always said that violence occurs across gender they are women who batter their husbands and then men who batter their women but i think that it will be wrong of us to just talk about those 89 men and not state that 664 women reported cases of assault during the same time frame if you look at the figures i'm not saying it's better i am just 
pretty much bringing it to light that there is a huge disparity in the number of women that are being violated as opposed to the number of men. Any form of violence is unacceptable, but look at the magnitude, 89 to 664. And these are the ones that are brave enough to speak up. Not the ones who are cowering at home and just saying, well, I'm married and I need to carry on in this relationship or no one is going to believe me or I can't bring shame to my family. It is disturbing. And I hope we continue to get more data, but the data also needs to give us more information as to the type of incidents. Is it a slap? Is it verbal? Is it emotional? Because there are different types of violence and we need that kind of information in order to address these issues more um, proficiently. I agree with you, Dr. Ama, that um, 664 is a far cry from 89, and we're hoping that victims will now learn to speak up louder and more often when matters like this happen. Ladies, thank you for your time. Dr. Ama, Ms. Shotomino, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I am Nifem Yogunto. Join us again on another episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and welcome your comments, insights and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness and education. Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society.